the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody, and happy 4th of July week. <laughs> uh, it was really nice coming into to town on Friday. Uh, it took me 35 minutes. It was like I died and gone to heaven. Anyway, when you have integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. I think that was uh, our one of my favorite presidents, Abraham Lincoln. I probably read, read more about him than anybody. The young do not know enough to be prudent, and therefore they attempt the impossible and achieve it generation after generation. I think that was Pearl Buck. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. I don't know who said that. <laughs> anyway, uh, once again, we uh, we talk about our webpage, and uh, it's just a portal. But if, if you want to listen to uh, last week's show and you missed it, you know you go to WHK, 1420 a.m., Go to local podcasts and then go down to Tim Hayes. And what's good about it is not only can you can see all the podcasts that are available to you, but you can also go directly to my webpage from there. Uh, and if you do that, or if you go, you know Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio, I show up, and you can always tell it's me because it says "Remember Buy Low, Sell High." And uh, there's all sorts of stuff on there, like Market Week, which is uh, you know shows tells you what happens every week in the market. It's amazing what people don't know. I mean, you know, everybody says, hey, we're up this year. The market's up big. The market's flat as a pancake. It just, I, I mean, there's like four stocks that are responsible for it, it hitting a minute new high after 18 months. Let me say that again. A minute new high after 18 months. Three stocks are responsible for 83% of the gain in the market. So uh, I own two of them, which is good. Microsoft is one of them. And it's one of my biggest positions. Anyway. Uh, it also has a daily technical analysis, which is a really uh, uh, good thing to have. And uh, we, you know, we've been talking about interest rates being lower for longer, and nobody's believed us, and they continue to go, you know, stay down. And look, the demand for money is not there, or Uber and Lyft would not be around. I mean, they're pouring billions and billions and billions of dollars into these companies. And they ain't going to make any money for six, seven years. You know, that's when you know there's a lot of dollars around looking for a home and there's no real demand for them. <laughs> that simple. So, uh, by the way, there's all sorts of information on the data breach there. I highly recommend it. We do have a new newsletter. Uh, and the first uh, item is it's time to declare your financial independence. Number two, should you invest internationally? That, you know, international stocks are based off the dollar. Keep telling people that, but and uh, why not do it now? New research on procrastination and uh, look, uh, not many people have sent it away for this, so I keep talking about it, and it makes me crazy when I have something I really like. But it's called rewriting retirement. If you're forty to fifty-five, or even if you're sixty, you should be calling in for this uh, item. It's a great. It's about twenty-five pages and has all sorts of new ideas and. If you don't have a wealth plan, you know, we have an interactive wealth plan. I love the thing because I can I can see what, you know, if you go on, it tells me what you're doing and what you're thinking in so many words because I see the changes you want to make. And then I have I call you and we have a conversation and we go over it again. All right? So it's a great piece and uh, not many people have uh, gone in for it, <laughs> which is interesting, I think. Uh, you know, uh, also I would suggest that uh, – there is, well, what's the best way to put this? Uh, on that webpage, you can also 
get a lot of neat stuff from me if you want it. For example, we had a healthcare conference a couple weeks ago. Great ideas, and some of them are really starting to lift off. I'd highly recommend at least day one, but day one and day two. We have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. You know, I've kind of pulled back on that because yields are just too low. You know, uh, I think, you know, I saw Friday, I saw the REITs start getting hit. You remember, we started talking about those in March of last year, and the utilities getting hit. Uh, so I think you want to stay away from that for a while. I don't think there's going to be a spring back up, up to two, you know, 3% or anything like that. But usually you want to buy yield when it's up. Uh, you know, I was looking through our preferred uh, shares, uh, best idea list, and, you know, we're, we're talking more about hybrids than than ever before. And, uh, uh, you know, hy- hybrids are good, I guess, uh, you know, but take it from there. Um I, I kind of like to go with the real thing. You know, the hybrid stuff is for uh, <laughs> deep thinkers. Uh, you know, Goldman Sachs put out a chart this week, and I, and uh, if if any chart should frighten the Democrats, uh, this one would, and that is the times when incumbents lost is when the uh, estimated real GDP and the presidential approval rating were going the wrong direction. So, if the forecast was below 2.2%, the incumbent lost. We're looking at three right now. So uh, it was 3.1 just this week. So uh, you know, the Democrats are probably <laughs> uh, going a little bit crazy. By the way, watching the uh, the uh, <laughs> the debates the other night, I, I have no comment. I, I just keep my mouth shut. Anyway, you know, uh, there was an interesting thing I read about about gene technology, and you know your genes determine more than your eye color or your physique. The uh, propensity of you or your offspring to develop certain diseases is highly influenced in genetics, as we all know now. The good news is research into the genome, your complete set of genes, has started to drive huge medical breakthroughs. And I'm telling you, there's new drugs that are being approved for people with rare genetic conditions. Uh, you know, you have. Well, to date, 1.5 million genomes have been sequenced and studied. All right? So it's not even, never even heard of stuff like that 10 years ago. Next generation sequencing, that's a, that, that allows for the analysis of the genome. You have gene analysis uh, is a big priority worldwide. Uh, by the way, as NGS advances or ne- uh, next generation genes uh, uh, sequencing, the research and development of drugs and diagnostic tools continues to accelerate very, very quickly. Well, that's, you know, if, if you've noticed, one thing that uh, Mr. Trump has done is accelerated the speed at which uh, companies are getting FDA approval, uh, putting putting a lot of money into the FDA, by the way. Uh, investment opportunities are just huge. So that's why I would suggest, you know, this stuff that we're talking about, the healthcare conference, is good stuff. I mean, really, really good stuff. You know, one of the changes I saw this week, and I, I mentioned it last week, was Latin America. And I... I looked into our friends at Dorsey Wright, and, and uh, I noticed that quite a few of the Latin America fund scores went over three, which is usually, you know, a good thing. <laughs> uh, and it does look like to me that, uh, you know, we're going to probably see more of that. But, look, I, I also noticed a couple other things, that the the bullish percent for precious metals broke above 30 and turned into a column of X's. Remember, been below 30 for a long, long time, about a year and a half now, and almost two, and now it's broken above, and we had the breakout that we talked about last week uh, above uh, that 1350 level and 1370 level. And with that, by the way, the S&P 500 broke out, the Dow Jones broke out. It was basically three stocks in the Dow that broke it out. It was eight stocks in the S&P 500. So we want to see the foot soldiers come in. We'd like to see also that they're you know, their horses, <laughs> that the knights have horses, okay, which means the transportations have to go too. So uh, those are a couple things we have to talk about. Now, look, uh, I, I I had some uh, millennials in my office this week, and uh, great group, great kids. I mean, I can call them kids now. I'm sorry. They're really nice people. Uh, you know, look, um, it Millennials, let's talk about them. They account for 25% of the U.S. population, approximately 92 million people, making them the largest generation in the country's history. 
And according to data published by Goldman Sachs, the millennial generation is the largest in history, and as they reach their prime working spending years, their impact in the economy is going to be huge. And meanwhile, a 2007 survey by Bankrate.com said that one in three uh, millennials invest in the stock market compared to half of the population of Gen Xers and baby boomers, making millennials one of the most underinvested groups on the planet. It is estimated that 30 trillion assets will be passed from baby boomers to millennials. So obvious, you know, millennials, if you're in business, are a great opportunity for you. All right. Uh, so it's just, you know, a mere 2% of children keep money they've inherited with their parents or from their parents. So the, the opportunity, you know, will, will be there. Uh, but I think these millennials, you know, are they going to be different from the two generations before them? Will they start to, you know, will they spend money or will they keep it? Now, in the fixed income area, I did notice a couple things. The high-yield credit spread remains really tight to treasuries. You know, you want to buy high yields when they're, you know, uh, the treasuries are 2% and they're at 7 8%. I mean, back in the financial crisis, they were at 15% and the treasuries were at 1%. That was a great time to buy them. But this, you know, the spread's below uh, 4.5%, so uh, it's not really the greatest time to be buying them. And also, uh, it, you know, so we were talking about international markets, and uh, we had quite a few of our trading partners and our uh, investment firms downgrade uh, European equities last week after a, a big bounce. So it'll be interesting in that. But I, I think we got to have to look at a couple things for the global business. Number one, the, the there seems to be an equity market obstacle course over there. Uh, the U.S. market's doing much better. And what will changing interest rates you know, what's the backdrop for the S&P 500 and for some of the foreign uh, uh, markets? Uh, now, look, um, I th- you know, I mentioned REITs last year in March, and uh, I-, I just want you to know that, you know, we-, we still like REITs, although they've come a long way. So I think you got to wait for them. Remember, you want to buy yield when it's up. We like the industrial sector, the residential sector, and the shopping center sectors. Now, some of the shopping centers, you got to be really selective and then we're market weight with healthcare, lodging, and office, and we're underweight triple nets and malls. Uh, but the industrial areas really, if the economy starts to get up and go, uh, you know, Fed starts to lower interest rates or starts to pull back, that residential and shopping centers will go. So I've got names in all those spots, and I just think it's important that, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that uh, you're not going out and chasing these things after they've run up in a big, big way. Now, uh, Lori Calcivina this week, our head strategist, said this. Uh, she's trimming her 2019 earnings per share growth forecast from 171 to 166 for the S&P 500. Uh, that's a two, 2% rate from 5%, by the way. She's, she's much more conservative on revenue growth due to what's going on out there. And, uh, you know, we have the Fed being tight. And we have this craziness uh, in in Washington. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of the Smart Investor Show. This is Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, um, we we said about uh, two months ago, and you can check this. If you go to WHK 1420 AM and uh, go to local podcasts and then go down to Tim Hayes, you can check. You can go back. I, I talked about Bitcoin is not going down anymore, and it, and it did that for about uh, oh, I don't know the last part of 2008, and then you know I mentioned it in the beginning of 2019, and it and it made a roaring move. I mean, it's a, it made a 30 percent move straight up, and then it made an 18 percent move down on Friday. So uh, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> but it did break its downtrend line. So it's it's back to being a solid citizen. Uh, look, you know, I looked at some of the charts on, on stuff like uh, Ripple, Ethereum, uh, you know, Ethereum. I'm sorry, um, you know, and that type of thing. And and um, you know, most of them are at the overbought level. Let's just put it that way. So you want to be uh, uh, be careful. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of George Gilder. Um, I. I just read one of his books, and, and uh, you know, he's the guy that talked about the iPhone before the iPhone was around. He even talked about the, uh, 
um, the uh, what was it? What was before the iPhone? The uh, you know the music thing. I can't even remember what it's called now. <laughs> uh, but he talked about that uh, uh, way before anybody talked about it, and he thinks there's a new uh, uh, time about to emerge. And um, you know, he's talking about what's he calls Internet 2.0, and uh, there's a you know in his book uh he called you you know google a neo marxist or something like that but you know it's it's going to be interesting because um i mean he 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 has several points in this book but i'm going to recommend it to everybody because i think it's a it's a really really interesting scenario and i think it's a, it's a it's a book that everyone can um can can look at it and read but it's 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 George Gilder and it's it's Google. Uh just Google's on the on the headlines, let's put it that way. Uh and it's I just finished it. I highly recommend it to everybody. Uh you know, I recommend books occasionally, but this is this is a good one because it's talk about, you know, where Google and where all these other companies are going to be involved in five G. And five G's coming. You know, it is coming. All right. So so Anyway, a lot of things happened this week, and we'll talk about one next section of the show that I think is very big, but I'm noticing more and more short-term market indicators turning bullish. All right? Uh, you know, they're fair, fairly reliable. Uh, the Dow Diffusion Indicator is one of them. Uh, you know, the VIX has, you know, kind of broken out a little bit here. Uh, the VIX is the volatility index. That's the fear index. And it's kind of broken, you know, it looks like a bullish reversal to me, you know, just so you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to see little things, uh, you know, turn. And, uh, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, now everybody's talking up the dollar and I think you should be dialing down on the dollar because, you know, I said last week that it, it was right, you know, had broken the short-term uptrend line, and now we got this like triangle pattern that it's right at the uptrend line. It's actually broken below it, but it hasn't closed below it. So, you know, when you when you have a triangle pattern of any type or a rectangle pattern, if you break down or break up from it, usually it's a pretty significant move. So, if we do break down, I think you know uh, that could start the value versus growth scenario. Okay, because growth is really growth is outperformed for four years now. And it's the first time in history that's ever happened. Values outperformed growth all years except the 1929 and 2008. So uh, if the dollar were to break down, then uh, you got to change your, your thought process. you got to be thinking about gold, which we've been talking about for some time now on this show. Uh, you gotta, you got to be thinking about, um, you know, the value stocks, and, and usually that is, uh, you know, when the dollar goes down, you want to be looking at foreign stocks, oil. You know, oil's less than 5% weighting in the S&P 500 for the first time in history. Uh, you have to be looking for things that can, you know, that are, you know, oriented towards commodities, uh, copper, uh, you know, that type of thing. And maybe even, you know, finally financials. Uh, financials, I've been wrong on it. You know, they've been... uh uh lagging and they you know we were right when we first started talking about them 2016 and then they've lagged and uh but i mean i was looking at some of the major brokerage houses and they're trading below tangible book value now the only bank i know that's trading well above it is jp morgan and they they rightly deserve it but uh you know that would be interesting so the dollar index has broken uh it broken the 200 day moving average and um what i'm looking at is the uup by the way is the etf uh, I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, the, the dollar, the, 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 uh, DC slash, uh, but UUP has not, and that's against a bunch of other currencies. So that'll be interesting. But, um, you know, I looked at, I looked at gold and, and I, I thought, you know, that was a pretty big break for them. Um, I haven't chased it though. Okay. So I talked about that, uh, last week on the show and Bob Dickey likes it too. I don't know how strong the case is for gold, okay? And that's the key. Uh, you know, it, it closed above 1400 That's a weekly gain of about 4.4%. Uh, 
Uh, it's probably the best since 2016, by the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, but you need, uh, if you have a rising U.S. dollar, uh, you know, gold is going to have a hard time. So you really need the dollar to break down. And an ultimate breakdown for the dollar would be 92. If it broke then, then you'd have to be really positive on gold. But that's, uh, that's you know, we're at 96 right now. So, uh, you know, the closer you get to 92, the more you're going to want probably want to own gold. Uh, now, also, once you get above uh, 1,500 on gold, there's a gap up to about 1,680. So that could be positive, too. But, you know, you, the U.S. dollar is still in a long-term uptrend. Let, let me get that down here. I mean, you know, it started back in uh, 2011. And uh, we need to break 92, uh, but it's broken the short term, uh, uh, you know, and then it has this triangle pattern. If it breaks below 96 and closes below 96, that would be uh, very, very good. So, um, you know, uh, small caps and, and, uh, and some of the biotechs have started to turn positive. I noticed that. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I've got, I've got some uh, names that I really, really like. Uh, there's, there's some uh, biotech ETS, which is a, an easy way to look at things. Uh, but there's also several names that I like that look really good on, on charts, too. Um, so, you know, there's some in the, uh, like, genomic revolution ETF and that type of stuff that look really, really good. Now, we kind of need the the small caps, the Russell 2000, which which I think would be probably – the, the financials, okay, because there's a lot of, there's like 200 financials in the uh, Russell 2000. And then also the transports, because the transports aren't, you know, they're lagging behind. And, you, you know, the transports are important. You know, in order for a Dow buy signal to occur, you need the transports and the industrials moving hand in hand. I did notice, uh, that like, you know, stuff like UPS and, and FedEx have made a little bit of double bottoms, although the rails uh, look a little bit shaky at this point. So, and then the other thing I think you got to want to look at is will China be able to turn? Who knows? But look, I, I think it's a good time to be looking and saying, looking at your laggards and saying, um, you know, are the fundamentals still good? And uh, look, one of the problems is you're not having a lot of bounces because the people keep sending their money to the same spot to every spot every time. You know, they keep hit, buying the XLG. And usually that's not when you're, uh, you know, that things are good. But you know, you ought to take a look at your laggards to make sure they're good and see where we go from there. Uh, we did have the bullish percent for the New York Stock Exchange to go into a column of X's this week, and the bullish percent for the optionable stocks. We'll talk more about that in the second uh, or the next part of the show. But look, I think that the cycle backdrop remains bullish through 2020. You know, we got that four-year term we talk about, four-year cycle. We, so you go up for two years, you go sideways for two years. So we've got we've done our sideways two years. Now there's a good chance we're going to be going up pretty soon. Uh, I think momentum's unwinding from some overbought levels, and that's mostly in the large stocks. Uh, emerging markets seem to be bottoming, and uh, you know take it from there. The U.S. dollar it broke its uptrend short term. If it breaks, you know it's at its 200-day moving average, cut below that. That's that's kind of interesting. A lot of people are favoring cyclicals. Uh, over defensive sectors in the second half, and I, um, I'm not sure about that yet. It does look like to me right now that defensive sectors are winning, although we don't know how long that will last. Semis got lifted by Micron last week, which is very, very good. But look, I, if I look at a couple things, the quadrant balance data, which is the measuring the percentage of stocks with rising monthly momentum, uh, is about midway through. So, uh, you know, the we'll probably see the next stage of the four-year cycle accelerate, but it probably won't be to the third quarter. But I am seeing, uh, you know, stocks are still outperforming bonds. The weekly momentum is likely probably to turn up here. The uh, the daily momentum is a little bit overbought. The 10-year bond yields might have done what I call rat's tail. That's a big day down and then finished up at the high. Uh, so that might that's usually a bottoming formation. Don't know for sure, but we'll find out. Latin America seems to be the star right now. Uh, that's that's what I'm seeing. But I am seeing like the EEM, you know, it broke out and then it pulled back. And now it's, you know, it's it's up and going again. But, you know, we talked about it uh, uh, back in uh, January and, um, you know, it, it pulled up a little bit. Then then it pulled back a little bit. It's, it's making a higher low. And so if it takes off from here, that'd be very good. 
We're also seeing that in the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, or the EFA, which is the ETF. Um, one of the things that's really keeping me positive is the economic surprise and the bullish, uh, bearish sentiment is very, you know, the Citigroup uh, puts out the, the economic surprise thing, and it's really where it could be, you know, big things could go up, we could go up big, and it's amount of people that are bearish, the amount of money that's moving into bond funds, $200 billion has come out of stocks this year and gone into bonds, and people just keep shoving money into bond funds. And I just read this uh, on Friday that 70% of all 401k assets are in bonds. If that's true, and, and this market turns, look out. Uh, now, growth is still beating value, so I haven't seen that reversal that we've been talking about yet. Uh, we did have, you know, the dollar break. It's, it's uptrend line, so be careful with that. Semis, semis, you know, were the first to correct back in January of 2018. So they may lead the way. They, you know, who knows? Uh, software is kind of overbought and has been turning down for a while. You know, we were on that back in uh, October, November of last year, uh, and they've made huge moves. I've given up quite a few of them. I, a couple of them, I just sold all of it. Uh, the weekly momentum on medical devices uh, has been coming down, and but now it's starting to turn up, and they've broken out. So that's another area. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Um, this is where we talk about the bullish percent. And um, this is just a, a, a risk management tool. And uh, it was designed by a bunch of guys that worked for Charles Dow who wanted to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. Greedy when everybody's just frightened and frightened when everybody's greedy. Simple as that. So they, they started a charting scenario, 0 to 100. X's, you have the offensive team on the field. O's, you have the defensive team on the field, and there's more to it than this, but making it simple. When we get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when you worry. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when you should be, you know, getting ready to jump in. And uh, we've turned up this week. We turned up at 49. So uh, we were up 1.2%. So we, we, we are now uh, in a column of X's, which is very positive. You have the offensive team on the field. And um, it'll be interesting to see now i tend to move annuities back and forth with this uh sometimes and uh i think it's now a good time because i think the third quarter is going to be just you know uh, it'll be pick up nicely and then the fourth quarter will be really good that's that's tim's opinion but the over-the-counter index is still in a column of o's now it's a 39.5 percent and reverse up at 42 that would be very positive and the world index is at 39.1 it would turn up at 44. If those both of those are reverse up at the same time, be very very positive. Uh, you know, look from early, I think from 2011 to 2016, domestic equities were ranked number one, and uh, then we had a kind of a weak period. Domestic equities have been ranked number one since 2016, uh, after a brief spell out of that top two. But in strong markets, high risk rarely becomes a bearish re- reality. Uh, However, the outcomes are quite different when the market is on the defense and the asset class is ranked number three or lower. So just remember that. The average return for strong markets for domestic equities uh, in, in, in a column of O's is just 2.3%. When they're number one, it's 4.6%. So a positive average return during defensive periods in strong markets suggests that moving to 100% cash or net short when the bullish percent reverses down at a time when domestic equities hold one of the two top positions. It's been kind of a painful endeavor. Uh, and when you reverse into a column of O's, when domestic equities are weak, uh, that's when you want to migrate more to cash, is my, my opinion. So, look, I, I looked at all the uh, uh, indexes, and, and most of the charts long-term look good. Uh, we've had some positive... Uh, Weekly momentum in the Dow, uh, the mid caps, the Invesco, the QQQs, the equal weight and the, and the market, I mean, the capitalization weight ETFs, uh, for the standard pours all had positive, uh, momentum for two weeks. Now what's re- extremely important is the small cap index turned up for the first time, uh, this week. So it's had one week of positive, uh, uh movement up. So that's something you got to pay really close attention to. Uh, I've also noticed quite a few of the emerging markets uh, uh, ETFs 
you know, the EEM, the, you know, those type of names have reversed up into a column of X's. Uh, so if they were, you know, they were, their fund scores above three and a half, and that's very, very positive too. Now the S&P 500 did break out to a new high, but it wasn't on a lot of stocks. It took, it was eight new highs that day. <laughs> so, uh, you want to be particularly careful, I think, when that type of scenario happens, uh, simply because, um, there could be a hard, fast pullback. So, like I said last week, I'm tentative, but I'm very bullish because I think the long term is very, very positive. Uh, now we are still, uh, we only have four positive groups out there. All right, four positive groups. They are electric utilities at 75, and as far as I'm concerned, that's too far up. Uh, waste management at, at 60, still probably could buy some of those. Uh, protection services at 55, that's positive, and then telecommunications at 35. So I do have quite a few groups that are under 30 that are not favored. Let me say that again. They're not favored, and you want to watch them re, re, you know, reverse. They are retail, transportations would be positive, biotech, Drug, steel, oil, and oil services, and precious metals. Now, precious metals did move into bull confirmed status, but they're not favored yet. So that's something to watch. I have a few names that are in bull confirmed status that aren't nobody, you know, they're not favored yet, and that's computers, forest products, household goods, precious metals, software, and textiles. So those are probably areas to watch because uh, they, they probably turn up into favored status before some of the others. Um, you know, Brazil and South America has been kind of the star for the last couple of weeks. You know, Brazil two weeks ago, uh, their, their index, the Bovispa was at 9,000 and it's now at 10,000. And that's occurred in a very, very short period of time. So up a thousand points and you know, they've, they've moved to the right. Okay. Uh, the, their, their president Bolsonaro, I think. Uh, Naro, I think is the name, uh, you know, he, he's moved the country to the right. So it's very interesting to see once that occurs, you know, you get a uh, 10% move in the, in the market, almost 12. Uh, but the, the Latin American group as an asset class, uh, their group scores, they were at 1.73 on May 17th. They're now at 3.78, which is a very positive scenario. So, uh, you know, that's, that's you keep your eye open for that. I I did look at like five or six different ETFs, and by the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright, you know, who provide us with a bullish percent and some of our point and figure stuff, they were they they looked at like six or seven of them, and they picked three that looked really really good, uh, but they have scores over over four, and uh, so Brazil is something to pay very close attention to. Now the other thing that happened this this last week was the ten year Treasury yield index, the TNX which had been a column of O's since basically, I don't know, mid-March, moved back up into a column of X's. So it's what they call a three-box X or three box reversal. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds. It's kind of what they call a rat's tail, uh, which I think is positive. And, you know, the other thing I think uh, that you have to pay very close attention to is if you look at the, the dispersion between the money market and the S&P 500, uh, it's really showing that the S&P 500 is the place to be and not the money markets. Uh, uh, you know, the S&P 500's graphing score is 4.4, uh, which is very high on the Dorsey Wright system, and the money market is a 2.15, so it's not even above 3. Uh, the other thing I noticed is that Europe, and this is really kind of interesting, I think, because uh, nobody's talking about Europe. They're talking about emerging markets, but Europe broke over three uh, and then pulled back a little bit. So now it's at 2.96. So a break above three kind of makes you a solid citizen. That'd be really neat. I have noticed that some of the British banks and some of the European banks have started to pop up a little bit um, and leave it at that. Now, look, I was looking at the, uh, what I, you know, the uh, statistically what you want to see is what's in the six standard deviation, what's in the first the dollar is not down at the first, it's at the second, but it's been pretty oversold. Oil's right at the third. Uh, but at the top is gold and most of the bonds. That doesn't make sense. Okay, gold is, you know, doesn't usually work in tandem with bonds. All right, so that, 
they're both 100% overbought. That's why I'm saying wait on gold, you know. But uh, it's kind of interesting. The other thing I notice is that if you look at the five-year yield index, the FY or FVX, it reversed into a column of Xs also on Wednesday, and it currently sits at 1.8%. But if you f- go out further on the yield curve to the TYX, which is the 30-year uh, yield, it's still on a sell signal or a column of Os. So here we have people buying you know, uh, the 10-year treasuries or are selling the 10-year treasuries and the five-year treasuries, but they're still buying the 30-year treasuries. Hmm. So oil's been negative, uh, switching to commodities for about nine weeks now, and gold's been positive for about six weeks, and copper turned positive for the first time in probably 14 weeks. And also corn has been very positive since the rains came. By the way, if you look at your iPhone, you'll be very depressed because <laughs> next week doesn't look so good. But uh, we did have gold break through that really important resistance level of 1370. So... Uh, I think it's got to digest that gain for a while. So don't go, you know, it's 100% overbought. So, you know, you want to wait for it to just settle down a little bit. Uh, you know, between July 2016 and 2019, gold would reach 13.7 then fail to move higher. It did it like three times. So it, this is pretty important. It's a pretty important breakout. Uh, and we did have crude oil return to a buy signal after it broke a double top at 55. It sold off a little bit more than I thought it was going to. And, and, and sugar returned to a positive trend. So we are starting to see, so, you know, some of the commodities start to pick back up. But remember, the CRB index is still where it was in 1973. Okay. So now one of the things, you know, cryptocurrencies continue to rally up until Friday. And then they, they just got hammered. They were down about 18% each. So it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, you know, I, I think if, you know, gold breaks you know, went straight to 1440. If it pulls back to 1380, you, you want to load up for a while to see if there's a trade. Uh, that's for traders now, not for investors. Um, but uh, we did have some relative strength changes this week. And, you know, uh, look, relative strength just suggests that the stock is likely to outperform the market for the relative future. So what you want to, you want to check is its, its relative strengths on a buy signal compared to its group and the index, okay? So... We had Malenta Thera- uh, Therapeutics, which is a biotech, Nova Gold, okay, YPF Sochded, an oil company, uh, Marker Therapeutics. Uh, by the way, most of these have been showing up on my uh, machine, and Hamilton Lane, which is in the financial services, and GT Therapeutics. Now, that's an interesting one, or G1 Therapeutics, because there was a lot of insider buying there. Remember, uh, I'll talk about that next next segment. On the sell side, so you want to check your fundamentals here, uh, Bank South Group. Diebold Nixorf, Enterprise Financial, uh, the first uh, of Long Island Corporation, First Midwest Bank Corp. So not a lot of sell signals right at the moment either. Now, uh, look, uh, so wrapping this up a little bit, I think what we're, we're missing here are the transports and the small caps. Uh, so in order for us to make another big move up, I think uh, we have to get, you know, we have to have those two working for us. The small caps, partly because of the regional banks, but partly because there's a lot of cheap. I mean, small caps are cheapest I've ever seen them in my my history in the stock market. So, uh, which isn't you know I'm not a rookie, that's for sure. Uh, so th- that's fairly interesting. In the meantime, I think what you want to be doing is is waiting for things just to see if they come to you because this week could be a big big one. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you just heard part of the show and you want to hear more of it, um, I would suggest that you uh, take a look at our, uh, uh, I'm sorry, WHK's webpage. That's WHK1420 AM. Go to the local podcasts. Go down to Tim Hayes. And that takes you directly to my webpage, by the way, so you can uh Ask for any like the healthcare conference stuff or the dividend growth portfolio, our best ideas, our, you know, our European stocks, our ADRs. Uh, ADR is American Depository Receipt. So they trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier for you. Anyway, uh, if you want any of those, just uh, go there. In the meantime, you can check some of our other uh, shows and see what you think. In the meantime, we're going to talk about insiders. We always talk about insiders because they know their company better than us. 
And and more than that, uh, they're right about 66% of the time. Uh, the analysts are right about 55% of the time. Now, look, the analysts uh, are not market timers. They're just telling you which is the best group. So if their group is in favor, they're usually right as much as the, anal- um, as the insiders, if not more. It's just that groups go in and out of favor. I mean, being a biotech analyst for the last four years, there may be four or five of the best companies, but they weren't going anywhere. Being an oil analyst would be the same way. Now, if you were in fang stocks, you know, like Mark Mahaney, our, our guy, he's been right. Matt Hedberg has been right as rain because their groups are in. All right. That's the big difference. All right. So um, this is an interesting one. It's Tiger Global Management. And uh, if you don't know who Julian Robertson is, you should look him up. But uh, they've been buying uh, Sunrun, which is a um, pretty big uh, uh, pretty big in the solar panel area. And they just bought another 170,000 shares. They already own 19 million. So this is uh, it's 17% of the company. That's a big, big amount. And then Ron Perlman bought VTV Therapeutics. Uh, the stock's at 139. It you know, has a big-time announcement back in October. Drove the stock to 7 and now it's back there, and he just bought two million. He owns quite a bit. I, I don't know what the total is there. I think it's he owns like uh, twelve or thirteen percent. And then Keith Meister, uh, who's a director over at MGM Resorts. Remember, he bought a whole bunch of stock last week and a week before. He just bought five point four million one day, and then he bought another six point two million, then another three point three million this week. So obviously, he's thinking high on MGM Resorts. Uh, you know, so there you go. Um, then we have uh, New Enterprise uh, Associates. Has a lot of people buying this. Genesee Bio, Biosciences. They bought another 2.8 million shares. They already own 7.2. That was 9.9 million dollars. And uh, you know, just so you know, uh, you know, we we had a gentleman buy 19.9 million by the name of Atizan uh, Rubar. He's a director. So between the two of them, that's $30 million. Uh, by the way, both own quite a bit. So, uh, you know, they, there was some really good news on Genesee just back in, in the first week of June. Uh, you know, take it from there. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Elliott International, that's uh, the Singer Boys, Paul Singer, has been buying this Roadrunner Transportation System. They bought another uh 2,900 shares, and the reason I bring this up is they already own 23 million. And that's uh, about, well, they're 10%, they're well over a 10% owner. Uh, Elliott Management is, Elliott International is uh, pretty smart money, so I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Magellan Healthcare uh, several months ago uh, because um, Starboard Value had bought quite a bit of it. And there was nine insiders that bought an average of 2,291 shares this last week. And uh, now there's a big rumor out there that they're going to get bought. <laughs> uh, also, um, if you if you look at uh, this, this is just spun off now. Uh, the symbol C, uh, K-A-R, Starboard Value bought a bunch of these guys, too. This is Carstead. Uh, and the, but there was seven insider buyers. They they ranged from seventy eight hundred shares to seventy seven thousand. Uh, one was eighty thousand. I'm sorry. Most of them were directors. Starboard owns a couple billion dollars worth, uh, and they just split up. So now they have the uh, the car business, which is you know they take the used cars off the lot and sell them, and they also have the wrecks. So they they uh, think there's there's a lot of value there. So far, it's working pretty well. Uh, G3 Apparel, you know, just got pummeled uh, since October. Uh, you know, this was a, a, a $60, or a $50 stock. It's now 27 The CEO, for the first time in three years, bought uh, $944,000 worth of stock. You like seeing that? Um, we also had uh, Cirrus Therapeutics, uh, a director named Roba, bought $18.999 million of it at $2.91. It's down from 10 back in October. Uh, also, Dr. Frost continues to buy at Opco. He bought another 200000 He bought every day for the last, well, except for one, for the last three weeks. And also, Ron Perlman's been busy. He's been buying Revlon. He's been buying VTV. And he also bought some more scientific games, uh, $2.4 million one day and $1.5 the next. So 
He's been very, very busy. Now, here's an interesting one just because there's a lot of people who bought it. Uh, Biohaven Pharmaceutical Holdings. Now, this thing was a, you know, uh, $70 back in June 1st. It's now at 42 They had some bad news. And then the chief medical officer bought 100,000 shares. The CFO, I, I mean, $100,000 worth. The CFO bought 100. Uh, the COO bought 200. Our CEO bought 200. Uh, a gentleman by the name of John Claret bought uh, 407. He's a director. And another director bought 190. So you had uh, one, two, three, four, five people buy about a million dollars worth. So you like to see it when they buy it when they're down. Now, here's another one that's down a lot and I think could rally fairly nicely. The president and CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines bought not only the parent company, but the cruise lines. He bought 600000 of CUK and 600000 of CL, CCL, and then came back and bought 397000 of both. So he bought a million dollars of each. And uh, this is a stock that was $70, is now 45 or 46 So, uh, you know, that that's a very interesting scenario, I think, uh, simply because, you know, Cruise lines never go away. They just have some problems from time to time. Now, look, um, we're at a new high, but we're kind of stalling. And it's all based on what's going to happen this weekend in Japan. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what comes out of this next week. Um, like I said, I think we we probably have another quarter before we get up and go in a big way. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what's on Mr. Trump's mind. I don't know what Mr. Chi's mind. Uh, so, we'll, you know, we'll find out uh, on Monday uh, how, how it works. But, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit of a breakout, but we've had a couple of these little bit breakouts. I mean, we we hit a new high in the S&P 500 for like about four minutes in April and then got crushed in May, um, only to rally in June. So, the, you know, we've made a little bit of a new high now. So the question is, is, uh, uh, you know, are we going to get any follow through? Uh, now the, the the three previous highs were not, you know, things to you know, we didn't get follow through. Now the SPX hit a bit of a new high in October of last year, uh, and it had less and less stocks going on, and then got killed by twenty, you know, nineteen point seven percent. And then we we taught, you know, we were at the old high again back in in April, and like I said, we we dropped seven percent. So um, I, I think you know. You got to be careful now. With the S and P five hundred new highs, we don't have any of the foot soldiers working. We don't have the transportations working with us. So the foot soldiers are sitting; they're back at the at the the barracks, and and they're shining their shoes at this point. So with the with them, the S and P five hundred all times, you know it it's attracted a lot of attention. But other parts of the market, like the transportations, the small caps, are are well short of their highs. And are possible indications that the recent market strength may be more of a rally that uh, that won't start a new uh, uptrend. But if these start to participate, that's the key. If the small caps, and they started to pick up on Thursday and Friday, if they start to participate, things could be different. Now, the utility index is right at the top of the channel, and I don't think you want to be chasing it. I think you want to rest on it now and uh, and let it come back to you. Because what I found is is that when utilities get back up there, you know, you want to be a little bit, you know, more careful. Now, you know, crude oil is in a column of X's and gold, I told you, broke out. So that's all positive. I, I just think that, uh, you know, you want to be a little bit cautious. Just simply we want the foot soldiers to follow the kings and the knights, okay? And we want the transportation index to catch up with the industrials. We want the small caps to catch up with the industrials. So that's my thought process for the week. Uh, whether it's going to happen or not, you know, I think uh, small caps would do really, really well if a Chinese agreement would come through. Who knows? Uh, in the meantime, I do like some of the foreign stocks. Uh, I think our ADR list is, you know, it's a bunch of foreign stocks. It's all over the world. There's some really good-looking charts on that, and and uh, Alan Robinson, who's been a money manager all over the world, is following these. So, uh, you know, he knows the names and he knows them well. Our top idea list. I'm starting to see some, you know, some of those names look really, really good. Also, our dividend gro- growth portfolio. Some of those are extended right now, but some of them look pretty good. But the key 
I think, because it's starting to pick up relative strength, is the healthcare conference. Uh, days one and two, and I highly recommend this to everybody. Uh, you know, if you Google Tim Hayes Radio or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, I show up, and you can always, you know, buy low, sell high is always there. But uh, just hit the contact me or email me, because uh, this healthcare conference is good stuff. And don't forget rewriting retirement. For all of you guys or gals that are 40, 55 years old, you know, in that range, it's a great piece because it, it, it starts to make you think, okay? And look, one of the best things you can do if you're 40, start planning. You know, we have this wealth plan that's interactive. So as you're doing something, I can see what you're doing or I'll see it the next day. And then I can say, hey, you know, that's a, a great thought process. Why don't we try this or what, you know, and we can, in, we're interactive all the time. Uh, I've got a, a a couple now that, I don't think they're talking to each other about it, but they're both going on the computer and they're making changes. And one's not talking to the other. So I had a conference call with them the other day and, and uh, we had a couple of great laughs. And then they started going, they're, they're going to start doing it together. All right. So if, if they don't kill each other, it'll be great. <laughs> In the meantime, you know, if you want those lists, like I said, uh, you know, uh, go to my webpage or call us 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th of July. This is the Smart Investor Hour. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.